Welcome to Precon Geeks, the podcast where precon folks geek out on all things pre-construction. Every week, we'll talk about trends impacting the construction industry and emerging tech. You can also tune in to hear exclusive interviews with industry experts. Excited to hear more? Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts now and visit www.beck-technology.com. Welcome back to another episode of Precon Geeks brought to you by Beck Technology. I am Jared Draper, your host, and normally I am joined by my co-host, John Reich, um, but he is actually out, and this is uh, will be the second week he has been out, so I will give him uh, a piece of my mind because uh, he is greatly missed when he's not here, but we obviously hope that he's uh, having a great time. But we are joined by an incredible guest, uh, none other than Mr. Ted Solomon. Ted, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jared. How are you? I'm doing very good. Uh, first and foremost, I hear a little bit of a New York accent. Um, Coffee, water, <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, with that, with that, if you don't mind, obviously, okay. So you are from New York. That was a good guess, and I actually already knew that. But uh, give us a little bit of uh, history about yourself, so those listening can uh, can understand who you are. All right, so, well, I'm going to start in the middle because yeah. I don't want to say this is the end, but <laughs> um, uh, my name is Ted Solomon. I'm an implementation specialist here at uh, Beck Technology. So what does that mean? That means when new clients sign uh, contracts and uh, want to, uh, you know, adopt our software, I'm the person that gets assigned to them and uh, works them through that whole process, teaches them how to get stood up, and uh, gets them excited and ready to go and using our software. So here at Beck Technology, I am affectionately called, I, th I hope affectionately called by many people, New York Ted. Um, <laughs> nice. So I'm born and raised in New York, uh, elementary, elementary school, high school, college, graduate school, everything all here. Uh, went to college for civil engineering. Um, I uh, kind of split my focus between structural and geotechnical to get a really well-rounded um, education. Did a couple internships with some heavy civil contractors during that time. I uh, was uh, involved in the renovation of Times Square. I was involved in um, the MEP fit-outs for the Eastside Access Project at Grand Central Station. So two wow. very low-profile projects. Yeah, yeah that's um, awesome. I, uh, after that, I, once I graduated, I jumped over to a heavy civil general contractor, went straight into estimating, loved it right from the beginning. Uh, I did uh, some projects, uh, you know, in the low hundreds of thousands, all, all the way up to multi-billion dollar uh, infrastructure projects mm -hmm. around the, uh, the New York City area. And then what fell in my lap was a, uh, a really fun, challenging uh, design build project. I kind of became a design build, I don't want to call myself an expert, but a design build specialist and a project I really sunk my, sunk my heart into and I wanted to follow it out to the field and follow it to completion. That was the first phase of the Van Wick Expressway um, capacity improvements mm. from JFK Airport, a uh, small, small little $350 million project and I jumped out to the field. 
had a great mm -hmm. time out in the field, but I realized while I was there that I wanted to have an impact on the construction in industry. And mm -hmm. how could I reach more people in the construction industry? And that was through helping develop the technology mm -hmm. in the construction industry. So that's what led me here to Bechtech. And I haven't looked back and I couldn't be happier. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, going back to your heavy civil experience and I'll, you know, for those listening, I have zero civil experience, uh, to be completely honest. So um, kind of a foreign subject to me. To me. And, uh, you know, we were talking prior to the show, and I'm very interested to get your thoughts around, um, you know, one of the things that we take very seriously here at Beck Tech is data, right? We're a data-driven company. Um, and how does, how does that thought process um, kind of play with, the, the the civil space and you know what what strategies do you employ to ensure you know the accuracy of your data and things of that nature just wanted to get your thoughts on that so i have some very very strong opinions about <laughs> um data collection in the field and keeping that data accurate but um the first thing i want to say is when i was in graduate school i wanted to write my graduate thesis on data collection from the field. Wow. And my professor my, um, said to me in my proposal, he said, if you can write a thesis on how to collect accurate data from the field in heavy civil construction, I will give you $100 million. Wow. Okay. So it's not easy. Yeah. And uh, I want to, to communicate that it's one of these collecting that data is really a full-time job mm. and what a lot of contractors do is they assign that data collection to you know a, a project engineer a field engineer an assistant superintendent and they need to be doing that on top of their other job mm -hmm. so the first thing i want to say is Collecting that data from the field should be one person's responsibility, and that should be almost their entire responsibility. Mm. The money that you're going to spend on a person's salary to have them collect that data is minuscule compared to the money you're going to save by having accurate data mm -hmm. coming back mm -hmm. from the field. and the option the the potential for you know not you know busting a quantity busting a um a productivity or leaving a ton of money on the table yeah okay when it comes back yeah so so other than you know okay let's say let's say that you know a company has said okay let's 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 put a full-time person on there let's get that data what are some other what do you think there's some other um i guess techniques or ways uh, or tools of of kind of helping collect that data you know what are and i guess maybe that kind of relates into like what are what are, what are the actual challenges why is it so hard to collect that data so one of the one of the big things is just the general irregularity of the different construction activities that get done in the civil space. Mm. You know, you're um, you're excavating, 
and you're excavating different size, shape, soils, different pieces of equipment, uh, different access requirements. Uh, concrete forming is a great example. A concrete, the forming for a slab versus a wall versus a foundation versus a column versus a bridge deck mm. are all completely different. So how do you standardize that? Mm. And and how do you collect that data? First thing I, I want to say is, you know, standardization, standardize your cost codes. Okay. Having standard cost codes in the field and having those cost codes carry over back into pre-construction and then they carry back into the field. The pre-construction data lifecycle that we talk about at Bechtech, mm. you know, getting, keeping that data, round tripping that data and using your knowledge of statistics because, you know, we have a lot of engineers in the pre-construction space, a lot of engineers in out in the field and understanding that, you know, the the av the law of averages, the more data that you have, the better it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to collecting that data, I hate to say it being someone who is so passionate about construction technology, but nothing beats good old pen, paper, mm -hmm. journal, Excel, and uh, a hammer phone. Yeah, all right. We're gonna we're gonna scrap that from the uh, from the podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> I think I need to like wash my mouth out with soap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I, I mean, I get what you're saying, right? Like, there's that there's that confidence in kind of what has been done for for ages, right? Um, and obviously, as a technology tool, we believe that you know technology can help with that right and i think it's that's that's kind of a big piece of that so how do you i guess in your mind i mean it, with with the experience that you have what role do you think technology plays in kind of the collection of that data and, and the and the kind of moving from the old into the new if you'll say it that way so where technology is going to really play a role in the data collection itself is are things that will let you capture and visualize things out in the field. So mm -hmm. we saw a, a first step a couple years ago when, when Apple came out with their measure tool on mm. the, their augmented reality measure tool on the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how excited I was to use that in the field. Mm. It wasn't perfect and it's still not perfect, but if I don't, have the opportunity to to walk over somewhere with my tape measure. Maybe it's not safe to walk over there with my tape measure. Mm -hmm. I can take a quick rough measurement and have it ready to go. Save it on a picture right away. Yeah. And that follows through the iPad. The iPad is huge in the field. Yeah. It's it's really and that's those are just baby steps. We are, I think, on the precipice of a an augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality revolution mm. in not just the construction industry, but every industry. But yeah. I think when it comes to construction, it's gonna turn us upside down. Yeah, how do you think that how do you think that affects, you know, 
as as guys and gals start to think about going into you know the industry you know heavy heavy civil or construction in general or pre-construction how do you think that kind of that growth within the AR VR space um affects the training and 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 the skills required to get into this well full disclosure i'm a millennial <laughs> and as a millennial i i have the privilege of being the first generation to really grow up so technologically literate mm -hmm. and and like it or not kids today are almost born with an iphone or an ipad in their hand yeah and um the the good news is that technological literacy and the ability to reason out different technology and find that it's the the intuition mm -hmm. to adopt a new technology carries through to adulthood i mean i can sit down with with a new uh, new piece of software a new piece of hardware and pretty much figure out you know 80% of what it can do in a reasonable amount of time so mm -hmm. i think as you know, we see college graduates coming out now in the next five years, in the next 10 years, they're going to be incredibly technologically literate. They're going to be incredibly quick on the uptake. And I don't think we're going to need to invest that much time in training them on new systems. Yeah. Where we're going to need to do a lot of training is, you know, the older staff, because it's incredibly important that our you know, executives, uh, managers who aren't new to the industry understand mm -hmm. how to use this technology and leverage it to its fullest. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely think, you know, I, if you think as companies as a whole, right, I think those companies that learn to get on board with technology and the advancements, I think they're going to see you know they're gonna. It's gonna be more attractive for the for the guys and gals coming out of college looking for jobs if they're looking at companies and say, hey, you guys have really adopted that technology, right? You've you've kind of you've said, okay, this is the wave of the future, and we're gonna and, and we're gonna we're gonna be on board with that. Versus maybe a company who says, nope, we're doing it the old school way, and we're not willing to budge, and we're not willing to get on board with the technology side of, you know, and the advancements. And I, I think. I think they may struggle a little bit kind of, um, you know, being attractive to those younger people who are looking for jobs, you know, in the market. And so it's definitely, you know, I, I'm not a millennial. Uh, it's funny, actually, I, I, um, I have young kids and we've, you know, the argument's always like, do you let them play on, you know, iPads? Do you let them play on video games and things like that? And I had a, I have a friend who owns a company, a technology company. Um, and, he said, if he said for guys my age and I'm 42, he said, if you don't let your kids play games like Minecraft and Fortnite and stuff like that, he was like, you're doing them a disservice because he was like, everything in the future is going to be about technology. And he's like, that's just the way that it is. And so we've even as parents kind of taken a different approach of like, all right, like we're going to let our kids play video games, which growing up, I never thought I would do. Right. I always thought I was going to be the anti video game guy, but, um, Anyways, yeah, that's, you know, um, are there any, are there any, and, you know, I don't know if you have any, but are there any kind of um, 
trends or maybe even new technologies that you have kind of seen coming up in the future that you're excited about? So there's a couple there's a couple things. Right now, you know, we are as a construction industry, we are kind of glued to the iPad. I think the first thing that's going to happen is we're going to see a wave of augmented reality uh, software, you know, that gives you like this window. The iPad's going to give you a window into a like a 3D world, maybe like a BIM. And and those exist, but I think they're going to continue to get better first. Mm. But I think what we saw from Apple, and uh, at this point it was, what, two weeks ago, I think they changed the game. Mm. I think what Apple did by releasing the, by or announcing the Vision Pro is they shifted the focus from you know the the streaming wars the Netflix Disney Plus Apple TV Plus to what is what I'm calling the headset wars. Mm. You're going to start seeing headsets coming out from everybody. I mean Meta has 3 or 4 on the market right now. Um they've got the 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 Meta Quest Pro, a professional application of their Quest platform and Apple at three times the price is competing in that market. So I think mm. what's going to happen is we're going to start to see a shift first towards these window programs. And then people are going to say, all right, we've kind of got it to a space where we can, and the headsets are at a space where they're more portable, more comfortable, and we can now start migrating this software over to our headsets. And that's going to work in the field, in pre-construction. I, I, in my, uh, in my, you know, endless research, I found a, a company um, called XYZ that makes a headset called Atom. It's a augmented reality headset mm. with safety goggles on the front, and it's built into your hard hat. Wow. I mean, you combine something like that with a BIM model, a digital survey, and I mean, you can see your curb lines. Mm -hmm. You can see your rebar layout. Yeah. It's, I think stuff like that is coming. Uh, there's another company called Vuzix. They, um, they kind of bridge that gap. They don't make a true headset. They, what they make is um, heads up display glasses. So they're real glasses, actual glasses. Wow. They're a little bulkier. But yeah. they're they're you know heads up display on your lens. It's it kind of bridges that gap. So we're getting there with the wearables. So when the yeah. wearables are at a place that uh, the um, major software producers of you know of your field software, so your you know your your Autodesks and mm -hmm. your HCSSs and your Trimbles. When they see those wearables at a place where they think, okay, if we make a software for those wearables and people are going to buy it, we're going to start making that software. And mm -hmm. I think I think the time is ripe to to get into the space of pre-construction software for those wearables as well, because where people are waiting for them to be useful in the field, they're useful yeah. in the office today. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to change. Um, I mean, job sites will start to look a little bit different, you know, in a sense of you'll start to see um, 
yeah, you'll start to see guys wearing things that, I mean, it sounds funny, but like you'll start to see guys wearing maybe, you know, some hard hats with, with technology that you hadn't seen before. And, you know, we always talk about construction being, you know, 10 or 15 years behind the, the, um, kind of the, the, whatever, where everyone else is. And so it'll be very interesting to see in 10 or 15 years where we are and what our job sites look like and what, you know, technology allows us to do from a preparation standpoint, from a pre-construction standpoint, uh, from a data collection standpoint, all of that. I think, you know, we're, we're like you said, we're on the precipice, precipice of it. Um, it's exciting to see. I want to put I want to put one image in your mind, and it requires the combi the combination of a bunch of different technologies. Boston Dynamics has you know their dog robots. I'm sure you've mm. seen them. They have them yep. in their dancing their dancing videos. Yep. Um, a Boston Dynamics dog robot with a 3D scanner on it that can create a point cloud of your site every day. Mm. It walks out at the end of the at the end of the shift and it creates a point cloud of your site. You can then sit and view that point cloud with your headset from the spot and see what it looked like three days ago, four days ago, five days ago, a month ago, and what it's gonna look like in three weeks. Mm. Wow. All in one platform. Yeah, man, that's incredible. Um, we, I think, will let our listeners um, sit with that image. And I think that's where we're gonna wrap up. I think that's really good. Ted, it's it's it was great chatting with you. I love your passion for um, not only the pre-construction and construction industry, but I think where we're going for the future. Um, guys, if if there's anything that you've heard and you want to talk more about, or you just want to know more about, you can go to our website at www.beck-technology.com. Um, I do want to throw out a, a quick plug in uh, coming later this year. We do have Precon World. Uh, which is our pre-construction conference. Um, it's held in the Dallas area. And I believe the dates for that are, and hold on just one second. They are October the, and I should have had this up in front of me, October the 13th and 14th, I believe is the date for that. Um, and if that's not right, I'm sure I will get a strongly worded email from someone. So, uh, but look it up on our website, Precon World. We'd love to have you guys there. Ted, really appreciate your time. Any last thoughts before we go? No, just thank you so much, uh, Jared. And I, I just the the last thing I want to say is, you know, this con the construction industry is incredibly important to uh, me, the world, our economy, and um, you know, looking forward and using adopting new technologies. That's how we're going to keep it alive keep it uh, profitable and keep it safe. Love that. Well, Ted, thank you again. And uh, for all of our listeners, guys, hope you have a great day.